Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, December 7th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Steve Hellwagon. Steve, it is the game week. We think, we hope, Ohio State, Michigan at the Horseshoe, scheduled for this Saturday. High noon, Fox will be televising it. Buckeyes open as 30-point favorites over Michigan. 30-point favorites over Michigan. First of all, what are you hearing? Do you think the game will get played? What are kind of the odds in your mind that will see this game and what do you think about uh the Buckeyes being favored by 30 points yeah interesting stuff all the way around Dave and I think uh the way the Buckeyes finally put it all together and in many respects at Michigan State in the face of tremendous adversity I think this is one of those moments like they had in 2014 maybe like the Penn State game where the odds were stacked against them and you know some things weren't going their way and they found a way to adapt and overcome and, and uh, you know, went on and had what was a national championship season. Um, this is when champions are built in a moment like what we just saw this past weekend. And now you look ahead to, to Michigan and you mentioned the 30-point spread. That got me thinking. I'm, I'm going through the annals here. And um, look, I'm already all the way back to like 98. And uh, the biggest spreads I can find – our Ohio State favored by 21 in 2014, the game, you know, season I just referenced, and the Buckeyes won 42 to 28. JT Barrett got injured in that game. And then another one, a uh, 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 double, well, actually a 20-point line right on 20, was in 2008, and uh, Michigan was at complete rock bottom. Uh, Michigan ended up well, Ohio State won the game 42-7 to that year, and I know Michigan had a losing season that year as well. So, um, you know, it's rare that you would see a line. Uh, I mean, 30 is unthinkable in this rivalry. So, um, I don't know. Michigan has not had a great year, obviously. Just, you know, it didn't play last week because of COVID. Lost to a winless Penn State team the week before that. So, as bad as the first five weeks were, the sixth week was even worse. So, um, you know, it, it's a it's a, a very troubled time, I think, at Michigan right now. Is Jim Harbaugh going to stay? Is he the guy to bring this program back from the abyss? Or uh, abyss he basically created himself? Or are they going to, you know, uh, end it and, and go in a new direction? And then obviously the uncertainty of the game, Dave, I think we'll know more today. I think Michigan's going to do some testing today and see if they were able, like Ohio State was a week ago, to stop the spread. And uh, if they have enough healthy bodies, then uh, they may as well play the game this week, regardless of the result. Uh, I think they 
they're kind of darned if they do, darned if they don't, because uh, uh, obviously uh, they're going to be missing some people if that's the way it uh, comes down and uh, probably not in for a very competitive game if it is played. But from Ohio State standpoint, it needs to be played. I haven't looked this up exactly. I think they've played every year since about 1917 or something like that. So it would be uh, <laughs> it would be a footnote, certainly, that there's no Ohio State-Michigan game this year. But we have seen some of the other rivalries across the country not get played this year uh, because of COVID. And it's unfortunate, but just the way of the world. And uh, I'm, I'm of, a, of a mind that if they don't play – Michigan, they'll probably play somebody else. And whether that's Nebraska a second time or they flip opponents and maybe it's Maryland and Nebraska would play Rutgers type thing. I don't know. But uh, I think that something's going to happen to uh, to get it worked out one way or the other. Heck, Mar- Maryland might be a more competitive game than Michigan. <laughs> yeah, especially if uh, younger Tungavailoa is healthy, which I believe he is. Michigan – I'm hearing their top two quarterbacks would be out most likely, and not due to COVID. McNamara's dealing with the shoulder injury, and then Milton, I guess, came up with an injury too. So they'd be down to a true freshman named Dan Villari, who hasn't even taken a snap yet. It was a three-star recruit. It wasn't like he was some big-time recruit coming in. So that's what I'm hearing. That's not confirmed. But if the listeners are wondering, well, who do we guys know anybody from Michigan who would be out? Yeah, their top two quarterbacks would be out. It sounds like. Again, none, none of this is confirmed. So I'm with Steve, though. I think we might find out something – today tomorrow at the latest because i don't think they're going to wait till wednesday to get this resolved i think the big 10 wants to know let me ask you this steve i agree with you i think either the michigan game is going to get played as scheduled or they're going to find ohio state another opponent for the sake of argument let's say that doesn't happen the buckeyes do not play this saturday they're sitting there at five and oh do you think the big 10 will change its six game minimum and still send ohio state to indy well you know that is a great question and i know that uh uh McMurphy, uh, Brett McMurphy, I think, uh, tweeted that out Saturday. Played, I think it became crystal clear to everybody in the Big Ten camp, you know, as we say under one tent, so to speak, that uh, Ohio State should be in the playoff this year. And uh, does the Big Ten good to have a team in the playoff? And uh, perhaps the only way uh, to make that happen is. to uh, revoke that rule and allow Ohio State to play in the Big Ten championship game, but um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm torn on the whole idea. I, I, I honestly don't think Ohio State should be penalized for losing two games when Maryland couldn't play and Michigan couldn't play. Now, granted, Ohio State could not play against Illinois, but that was just one game. They're being penalized because opponents couldn't put a football team on the field and that shouldn't happen in my opinion uh, I think uh, there should be some leeway there uh, if you have to miss three games because your program was infected then so be it but uh, you know you you and, and, and you know it's all perspective you know in 2020 I say you get what you deserve well nobody's getting what they deserve in 2020 this has been a a bunch of crap the entire season so I don't want to you know use terms that minimize 
you know, uh, what, what, what we've all been through with the pandemic. That was the most important thing that's happened this year and how people have dealt with it has been the most important thing. And football is strictly a side, uh, side venture or, you know, uh, something off to the side of diversion. So um, I'm not really worried about that, but I, I do think that Ohio State should not be penalized if other schools couldn't play games uh, against them. I just think that that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I agree with that. And I do think that they're going to waive the six-game minimum if they need to, if Ohio State can't play again. I think there's a really good chance Ohio State's going to well, play this they, Saturday, either against Michigan or somebody else. Go ahead, Steve. This is my feeling, and, and I figure, like, you know, Gene Smith, you know, or Kevin Warren – Somebody needs to come out early this week and say, look, you know, this is this is what's going to happen. I don't I don't think they want to preempt Michigan. I think they want Michigan to make the decision in the proper time with the proper data. And, and with, you know, if you can play the game, play the game. Don't come out on Monday and say, well, if they can't play the game, then we're going to you know reconfigure the schedule because that gives them an out. You want Ohio State to play Michigan. That is your bread and butter game. That's the game that television bases a lot of their contract around because it usually delivers a huge rating. And so I think that this is something that's going to drag out till Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday. And then, you know, unless Michigan comes out today and says like Ohio State did finally on Friday, we are definitely playing. So um, it would be great to see Michigan be able to resume football activities today or tomorrow. That would give you a better indication of, of where things are headed. But uh, I really want to see Kevin Warren lead here. That's what I want to see uh, more than anything else. He's getting paid the big bucks. He's been to hell and back with all the decisions he's made. Well, here's another crossroads moment for you, bud. You need to step up and, and, and get this right. Kevin Warren and leadership. Those, uh, those things don't seem to go well together, but we'll see. Mutually uh, exclusive. Mutually exclusive. Yes, that, that's the way it appears, Stephen. All right, uh, let's push this. Uh, let's, look, let's look back on the Michigan State game for a second. You, you mentioned a little bit about the Michigan State game. Man, did they look good. Despite being down 23 players, including 17 scholarship players, four full-time starters, and then two top reserves. Because Josh Brocker is not technically a starter, but he plays like one. He wasn't out there either down three starting offensive linemen, and they went 52-12. to 12. I think the committee would have been impressed, Steve, if the Buckeyes would have won, given those you know, circumstances. They would have won by like 17, 21. The committee would have been impressed with that win. To win by 40, they, that, that was great to see them get some style points. And so many young guys played well. A couple of guys that stood out to me, offensive lineman Dewan Jones at left tackle. He is – I mean, he just, he just ragdolls people. He, he just, with ease, moves big men around, and he – is a massive man, but he moves well because of his, you know, he's a really good basketball player, as you know, has great feet. I really like Dewan Jones a lot. Massive man. Six foot eight, 360 is what he's listed as. You talk to his teammates, they're like, yeah, he's more like 380, uh, but he moves so well. I was really impressed with him at left tackle, filling in for Thayer Munford. And then Ronnie Hickman filling in for Josh Proctor. Ronnie Hickman, a redshirt freshman safety. I thought he played really well. Now, he did have the penalty where he kicked, where the guy kicked his helmet. Hayward, he went and pushed him. But I thought Ronnie Hickman played well. Dewan Jones, Ronnie Hickman. And there were other young guys that really stepped up, Steve. Just your thoughts on maybe some of the guys that finally got a chance to play and how they performed. Yeah, I think you got to be excited about the depth of this football team because it was finally put on proper display uh, kind of by necessity uh, more than uh, than anything else. And I think uh, particularly that offensive line, I made the comment um, 
when we heard how the rotation was going to go with Harry Miller at center and then um, Matthew Jones at left guard, Wyatt Davis right guard, Max Ray at right tackle, and Dewan Jones at left tackle, that it was kind of a patchwork offensive line. And then somebody said, no, not really, because if you look at Matthew Jones and Max Ray, they were both highly recruited players. Dewan Jones, I think, was looking at Indiana and ended up at Ohio State just maybe as a project because he's 360 pounds, an athletic 360-pounder. And they have really developed him in two years. He got to play some last year as a true freshman. And I think uh, it seems to me, uh, you know, he's going to be a guy they're going to have a hard time keeping off the field going forward. So, um, you know, unfortunate for guys that weren't able to be there uh, this past weekend. Uh, you make a good point on Hickman. He flashed across my screen a couple times. Um Gant, you know, a junior, uh, he came in and made some nice plays, I thought, too. There was a third down play where they threw a screen, and he and, and I think it was Browning or, or somebody came up and hit the guy about a yard. It was like a third and four, third and five, and he stayed at home, played his assignment, and they stopped the guy after like a one-yard loss. And it was like, no siree, not on my watch. And that's what you need is guys who uh, – are going to play physical, play smart. And uh, I saw a lot of that out of a lot of young guys. So it was impressive, I think, at times. There was one bad coverage break. Uh, they threw down the uh, sideline where Michigan State was at. And it looked like Williamson, the slot corner, turned over the wide receiver to the one high safety, who for that series was Bryson Shaw, who had just come into the game. Maybe he played a little bit before that. But uh Shaw was a little bit late in coming over. I don't know if it was a miscommunication, a coverage break, whatever, but instead of the three 50-yard plays and a 33-yard touchdown that Indiana had, you just had that one 50-yard play by Michigan State in this game, and uh, otherwise uh, they slammed the car door on their head. I mean, there wasn't much uh, out there for uh, – I give their backup quarterback credit. He's first 11 passes, got him into scoring range a couple times, uh, victimized, you know, through the through the pick. There were some turnovers, whatever. But, uh, you know, I thought uh, on the whole, the defense, I would grade them a, almost an A-minus maybe for the way that they played. And if you want to grade it on a curve based on the last game, it's like an A-plus-plus. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think we, we might be watching the best defensive tackle tandem that we've seen at least since 2014. Michael Bennett and Adolphus Washington are really good on the national championship team. But Tommy Togiai and Haskell Garrett, that is a fantastic defensive tackle combination. I want to ask you about um, the poor snaps from Harry Miller. And as we saw when Luke Whippler went in there and, and fired one over Jack Miller's head late in the game, uh, and I don't know if they had anybody else they could have turned to to be uh, the, the center other than Harry Miller. My biggest thing was, though, and I thought Harry Miller got a little better as the game went on. Um, there was really nowhere to go but up. And I'm very – to be clear, I'm not picking on Harry Miller here. That was – even though he's played center, he's repped there, and he was a center in high school, number two center in the country coming out of high school. It's not like he's never played there before. He's played there a lot. That was his first time in college, you know, getting a start and at center. Uh, he's been the left guard, and it's not easy. But he, he did get better with the shotgun snaps a little bit as the game went on, but it was a major problem. When you're at the goal line, Steve, and you've got a guy making his first start at center, and he's snapping the ball all over Spartan Stadium, why the hell are they not going under center sometimes, especially in short yardage? I'm sitting there just pulling my hair out. Like, what is Kevin Wilson 
doing here? Why are they not going under center? That's the easiest thing in football. I wasn't very good at football, but I could take a snap from under center. I mean, that's pretty easy to do. Um, and, I, I, and Ryan Day has shown that he's willing to do that. So I, I couldn't believe they didn't go under center. They didn't do it at all. I, I can't believe they didn't do it quite often. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you had a guy who was really keyed up and uh, just just fired up to do you know what he needed to do. And that center position has to point out all the assignments and the, you know point out where the middle linebacker is and set the the blocking scheme in some regards for the play call, I guess. And uh, I just think that it was a little bit much for him in that moment to try and do all of it. And you know, one or two errant snaps is not a problem, but when you run, you know, I don't know what the exact number was, 60 plays and there were 30 bad snaps. And I'm probably, you know, uh, I, I got to be close on that number. It could have been somewhere between 20 and 30. Uh, we're just anywhere but his waist. You know, they're trying to run the ball to the right. He's got Master Tick standing beside him to the right. And the ball comes up over Justin Fields' left shoulder. They can't. I mean, you, you've you've wrecked the timing of the entire uh, play. You well, know? You, well, nor, well, normally you would wreck the entire timing of the play, but J- Justin Fields is such a magician. Poor snap. Is it going to be a turnover? No. Uh, Fields runs for fifteen yards on a first down. Justin Fields yeah. is Justin Fields is amazing. I, I'm not he's breaking. A, I'm not. I'm not breaking news there. But go ahead. Finish your thought. I'm sorry. A, he's a magician. There's no doubt about it. And uh, you know they ran for 322 yards in this game, and they lost 24 yards on the air snap. They counted that against them. So honestly, the number uh, was really uh, 346 yards if you didn't count that play. So they overcame it. And uh, you're right, Fields. I almost tweeted. Again, I, I I try and be down the middle. Like, I could have tweeted any number. There were a lot of snarky things being said about Harry Miller on Twitter during the game. And I almost tweeted that Justin Fields deserves the Heisman just for, you know, fielding these snaps all afternoon. <laughs> and making something was, out of them. That's that's what's crazy. Yes. I, know I, I know I just said it, but it was like time and time again. It was like, <laughs> it's like, like they're either going to turn the ball over or they're going to lose 10 yards because of a bad snap and Fields turns it into a positive play. He is just, yeah. he's the best quarterback in Ohio State history. And I know he's only started 19 games here, but I'm confident we're watching the best quarterback in Ohio State history. So yeah, we'll see what he, happens. He's fun to watch. And, and uh, you know, looking forward, if they do play this week, which I'm assuming they'll have an opponent, Michigan or somebody, um, I don't think we can properly speculate or understand who is coming back because of contract tracing and who is coming back or who will not come back because of a positive 21 day out type deal for the big 10. So um, I'm going to work under the assumption that if they didn't play this past week, they will not play against Michigan and be delightfully surprised if a Josh Myers or somebody does pop back in there this week, because I do believe that that's an issue that most or all those guys won't play against Michigan either. Yeah. Maybe if Michigan's sitting there thinking we have no chance against Ohio state and they sit there and think, well, maybe we do if, uh, if they're snapping the ball all around Ohio stadium, but uh, no, I think Harry Miller will get that cleaned up. And hopefully, like you said, I think there are some guys who miss this game because of contact tracing. And I think some of the guys that missed the game will be able to play this Saturday. We'll see what happens though. Great stuff from Steve Hellwagon. Thank you to all listeners out there. Have a great day, Bucknutters.
world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!